We're live. Bel are we? <laughs> well, are we? We have pulses. Yes, there's that to be said. Not just one. <laughs> one. Multipulse. Yes. Multipulse. <laughs> Lilo Dallas. Multipulse. Multi uh, we made it home again. Home again. Jig -jig -jig. Jig -jig. Hey, everybody. Well, all in one piece. Mm-hmm. But a little bit all to pieces at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. Hmm. Like, it's all there. Yeah. Like a... It might not look like much now. <laughs> you have to put in the work. Yes. Hours but, um, of work. Many, many. But in our frazzled jet lag states, we are still pulling it together to give you the last episode of Michael's Walk Season 1. Yay! Hi, I'm Michael Earp. And I'm Bailey Turner. Welcome to Michael's Walk, the podcast. Michael's Walk is a road trip, a search for something. Spoilers, it's myself, and it was inside all along. If only it were that simple. Driven by Tori Amos's album, Scarlet's Walk, I'm recreating the journey Scarlet took in its 20th anniversary year. I'll also be there. With the loving and patient, always patient, support of Bailey and Teague Lee, three trans queers set out across America. That's 33 states in 55 days. To connect with the songs, the land that inspired them, and the fans inspired by the songs. We'll talk music, travel, healing, and hope as we ask the questions, how do I heal from 15 years of coercive control and manipulation? And what role does the music we listen to play in our own relationship narratives? We've self-produced this podcast and trip. You can support us via GoFundMe. For the full story, head to michaelerb.net. It's Sunday evening for us. We uh, are back in Nam. Yes. Melbourne, Australia. We landed a little later than anticipated because of a engineering technicality indeed uh but that's fine it was a three hour delay and in the scheme of things that's really nothing kind of worked out well we got to write in the airport and chill in auckland for a little while and yeah. get a bit of recovery before we jumped back on a plane we we made use of what the universe offered us mm -hmm. which kind of is a bit of the um the theme of the whole <laughs> shebang really but um whenever people ask me i've caught up with a few people since i got back and Whenever people ask me, I'm always referring to that remark we made when we both felt like we were stumbling back from Narnia. Yeah. And going, wow, that's uh, here it all is. Yeah, like, remember this? honestly feel like a late 40s man all of a sudden finding himself in, like, a, a younger version of himself. himself. Yeah. I'm really glad you phrased it that way rather than... Yeah, I, I saw you it saw was going. going. <laughs> divert, divert. I also feel like a 45-year-old man <laughs> If there are 45-year-old men out there who would oh. like to be in... Let's stop. Yeah. Call 1-800-DOX <laughs> <laughs> me, daddy. Mm. <laughs> uh, but we've had a few nice few days at home to mm. sort of gather our wits. I had <laughs> what few of them there are left. I have so many plans. I'm like, I'll check off all of these things before I go back to work tomorrow. Yeah. Don't be ridiculous. I, uh, I had a few naps. Yeah. You had yeah. a few faps, I'm sure. In the mix. Well, I know I did. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> oh. uh, I had to put in my insurance claim. 
for the COVID debacle. Mm -hmm. And I thought that would be like an hour's work. That has been the number one question whenever I've met up with anyone. What happened to the car? <laughs> oh yeah, the car. Well, listen to the podcast, you'll find out. Yeah, I have also had. So we originally planned to do like five best this and five worst that. And then we realized that's just too many things. And so we're going to keep the categories. It's going to be a hundred items or something ridiculous. Yeah, good idea. So it's just, we're going to say a category and then we'll say the best and the worst or anything we'll memorable. Tell some stories. Yeah. Beds. Beds. Best bed. I got to say was Jordan, Jordy's bed. We, Jordy gave up his wow. bed for us. And I think it was the to best. Trump, Dan oh, and so Pat's closely, bed. closely followed by Dan and Pat's bed. And then the reason that um, it doesn't take out the title is because you found that bed just a little on the soft side. Oh, well, I thought we were going to rate things differently. Like, you can have your own top bed. Yeah. All right. My top bed was the one I got to sleep in at Matt's house, which was stiff as a board. My God, I loved it. We so all know much. how much you love a stiff board. It's true. We had a great time I in like LA. My bed, like I like my men. <laughs> <laughs> stiff and um, and then when non-talkative, <laughs> stiff and quiet. <laughs> our ridiculously overpriced hotel that we treated ourselves to on the last night mm -hmm. in LA. It Bailey, had a suite. yeah, it was a whole suite. It had a jacuzzi. That was my one request. I want a jacuzzi, mm. and so we got it. And. Bailey lay down on the bed and was like, oh, this is heaven. Michael's not going to enjoy this. And I lay down on the other bed and was like, this is heaven. <laughs> Turns out they had two firmnesses of mattress. Yeah, one was soft, one was hard, which And we just happened pretty. upon the right ones. It's a Goldilocks. Love that journey for us. Yeah. Um, I also really, there were some that were a nightmare. Yeah, I think the worst for me would have to be... The one in Dallas. Oh yeah, for a bunch of reasons. The whole yeah. bed frame was not constructed properly. Mm. Um, oh yeah, that's right. That it was one of those a... really old ones where you could feel each and every spring. Um. <laughs> I didn't enjoy, obviously the one in Ash Fork was hideous, as was that whole accommodation experience. <laughs> I also really liked the one that we had in New Orleans. We stayed in a really nice... Um, room in the Yong Inn. Uh, yes. Um, that was a lovely piece of accommodation. And the bed was gorgeous. Where we were put up in... But nah, Dan and Pat's was... Oh, Dan and Pat's is just something... I actually have to daily. message them and work out where they got that mattress from again. It was, it was sublime. 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 Right. As were the memories I had in it. Yes. <laughs> and we'll leave that there. We will. Um, uh, as requested by a random customer of mine, uh, before I left, where they're like, oh, you're going to the States. You'll have to check out how good their Wi-Fi is. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. How'd you go? I know you did... S I did a few speed tests because I just, when I connect to a new connection, I'm always like, and what do we have here? <laughs> it sets up my own expectations, basically. Sure. So the winner, yep. fastest internet, goes to Geordie. Yeah. At like 176 megabits per second. Well, shit. <laughs> well, shit. I'm trying to think of like what was... I didn't use the... I didn't use the Wi-Fi much in each place, to be honest. So I don't think I've got a best, but I can give you some worsts. My God. 
Mm, I well, I have to for some other reasons too, but I found the worst to probably be in the little cabin in the woods, the cutest little cabin in the woods yeah. in Moy Springs. Yeah. Mainly because it seemed to work fine for Bailey, but then I really needed <laughs> on my laptop to do some work. And my phone had zero reception there too. So I had to hunt around for it. And then at one point I took my laptop outside to get closer to their house, figuring that's where the, the thing mm. was and dropped my laptop and caught it just in time, but sliced open my fingers. And and... Riddled by mosquito bites. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah so, so yeah, that whole experience was not great. Yeah. There was a few, there were a few patches down the West coast where Wi-Fi was a freaking debacle. <laughs> um, but anyway, there you are, random customer. Yeah, there you go. Everything from really, really bad to excellent, excellent. Um, food. Oh, crikey. Um, Let's just narrow this one down, I reckon. What's your most memorable meal? Oh, Mike Light. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, like, what are you going to do? You know, what, what more oh, could you ask for? The Scarlet-themed prefix dinner. Yeah. I'm Winner. closely followed by Mike Carrigan um, with My the goodness. incredible salad and the... The cake. The cake and um, the beautiful um, stir fry that Matt made for us. And actually, the, the, the first night Matt made what, salmon, wasn't it? Did we do salmon? No, we did something else. Steak. Steak, that's right. I wanted pepper steak. Mm -hmm. That was friggin' delicious. And I know that they'll be heartbroken to hear that, but the, what the Leisure Smalls made us was also friggin' heaven. Oh, yeah. Um, these like beautiful salads and ugh, gorgeous food they made us. Oh, so, so all of that, like all the homemade stuff was the best. Matthew Alexander's surname and just that's how it is. Matthew was the cook. Yes. I, like, it's, I don't know, the House of... House of Leger Small. Yeah. Um, I don't know Matthew's surname. Sorry, Matthew. We, we didn't, we're, we're not, we're not on your... a last name basis. <laughs> in your food. <laughs> yeah, but no, Matthew made beautiful We are food. friends, he and I, on Duolingo now. Lovely. Yeah. Happy competing. Maybe odds be ever in your favour. <laughs> yeah, all the homemade food we had was friggin' to die for. Um, as for going out, so much. Actually, where we went with them, Yvette and Kurt, that was really yum in oh New York. Oh my goodness, yeah, that was heaven. Uh, it was great. There was like, the there was like a... Um, cook shop? What's something it called? Like, yeah, yeah, I think or so. corner shop? Cor yeah, something like that. Um, it was in Chelsea and um, there were mac and cheese sliders, three different flavours of mac and cheese, and that mm. was a kaboom. And um, you you found the dumplings that were recommended to us in, in San Fran. Yes, that's right. Um, Bao. Takuda Hall sent us to Bao in the Mission District. And um, Bailey's like, these are the best dumplings I've ever had. Yeah, they were so yum. Oh, the food that um, Teague's cousin cooked us in Houston was also really good. Uh, that was really yum food. They, they like <sighs> made these like beautiful um, like enchiladas from scratch. Was Worst incredible. food? I would have to say the were meant to be green beans side <laughs> at Bojangles. It, I don't know what it was, but it was well past its prime date. Yeah, they had been cooked to an inch of their poor little lives. Mm -hmm. I think worst food. We didn't have any food poisoning scares, which we didn't. Nice. Nothing really made me sick. I suppose if that, if the, you know, the best way for me to say worst food is I got a thirteen dollar sandwich in New York. That was ridiculous. Um, oh, you know, at LA airport when I was, <gasps> went for the salad. Yeah. So I, I went to this place, 
Uh, it was a burger place, but they had salads on the menu, and I queued for 20 minutes. The queues everywhere. It's LAX. LAX was a nightmare, was as I knew it would be. Yeah, Terrible. But then I finally get to the front of the queue, and I'm like, can I get the salad, this particular salad? And they're like, oh, we're out of salad. Just flat out, none of the salads are on the table. And I was hungry, and like I was done waiting. So I'm like, fine, I'll get that standard burger. It was like the first one on the menu. And then I got loaded fries, and I thought, that'll do. That cost me 33 American dollars. Oh, that's insane. Insane. So 40 like, bucks for an airport meal. 40 bucks for one that I didn't even want. No, and it was, it, yeah. it was gross anyhow. Um, oh, and biscuit. We, I did not like biscuit. Um, I think we got biscuit at Bojangles, and T got some in Orlando Airport. and I, I got some in Orlando Airport as well and did not enjoy that. I feel like we are underrating Biscuit because we only really got it from fast food. True, we didn't get it like properly made. Because they did call the loaf of bread Biscuit at Lonesome Dove Ranch, didn't they? Or was I making that no, illusion? I think, that was yeah, just I think, I think there was bread. a confusion there. It was, that was beautiful bread. Actually, the food there was really yummy. The food there was delicious. Um, wasn't very well prepared. Like it was just... But somehow it was just super yummy. Um, home style. It wasn't... They didn't have any flair. Yeah. And shout out to Boiled Eggs. Boiled Eggs got us through oh. America. We... So, someone asked me recently. It was uh, Ryan, the person behind Tori's Red Hair account on mm-hmm. Instagram, uh, asked me, how does the food compare here to in America? And I'm like, look, overall, I would say I prefer Australian food. Mm-hmm. How, um, uh, but then he said, and I'm not talking about gas station food. <laughs> and I was like, well, that, it's funny you say that because overall, I prefer Australian food. However, American gas station food, like, craps all over Australian gas, gas station, station food. food. That's true. Like, it is so rubbish here. Uh, but over there, you can actually get some decent things. Fruit salads and, yeah, we, we, yeah. we ate loads of great stuff from there. And, like, at, we got great stuff at, like, CVS, you know, like, you know, yeah. um, little food. Go to the and... chemist and pick up a really tasty sandwich. Mm. I find it really odd in America that, like, every shop sells everything. Yes. Like, I would never have thought to go to a chemist or a pharmacy or Walgreens for, for my alcohol. Yes. True. Yeah. I mean, self-medication is a thing, mm-hmm. but I just wasn't expecting Good for that. them for, yeah, throwing, lumping them all in together. The other thing was the fast food here is so much better quality. Like mm. KFC over there is hideous. I would choose Australian Taco Bell any day over the freaking slop we ate from Taco Bell's. There's so many, like so much of the, the fast food food was so dissatisfying, except Subway's. The Subway's were pretty good. Oh my God, the Subway we got in Yellowstone West, where I ordered a wrap because I'm like, wraps are usually small. They cut, they're about the size of a six inch, but it's not as much bread. This is what I need right now. It was like the size <laughs> of a meatloaf. It was the big as your head, that thing. I, yeah. Oh, the other thing that we ate that we didn't quite get the hype around was Chipotle. I didn't really... I didn't, that was very spicy. I accidentally ordered the wrong sauce. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, that looks like salsa. I'll take that. No, you ordered all three salsas. And you were uh, like, that one and that one and this one. And the hottest of hot. It hurt going down. 
heard later. Yeah. Best, Best and, and worst strangers, or just interesting strangers. Mm. Oh, I think you had a lot more interactions yeah, with random strangers. Well, I mean, B and Christian were the best. Um, you know, yeah. we, um, B and Christian, we met in St. Louis. I was having a wee vape, and we struck up a conversation. They ended up, like, showing, they were like, no, no, like, and we were pretty tired. We were like, oh, we're just going to come here for a quick drink. And they're like, no, nah, we'll take you to this, then we'll take you here, and let's, like, check out all the, the night spots, and... We had a really fun time hearing, and they told us a lot of the story about the community. It was mm. incredible. Yeah, big love to them. There are some people I don't know if you'd count as strangers, like the hot go-go boy in New Orleans was a great stranger to have come across mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in so many ways. And there was my and, very minute meeting of Pandora Box. Yes, um, yep, that's fair. celebrity stranger. Yep, I met Our Lady J. Who's a celebrity stranger? It was my biggest celebrity encounter. Uh, amazing. Oh, um, I mean, of course, the woman that I met in New York right before we left, you yeah. know, who um, came to me as you know, a trans woman starting her journey and sharing her story. That was sensational. Which was the opposite end of the woman who spoke to Tegan and I in New York, simply to inform us that a dead body had been found in a shop around the corner. Yeah. God. She was walking a dog and just had to tell every person she passed. Oh, and like I met a I met two two strangers outside um, Flaming Saddles, Blazing Saddles. Oh yeah. When I was having a meltdown, one of them was lovely and non-binary and was an entertainer, and we had a good chat. And then that guy came up and like screamed at me for suggesting that he didn't have enough money to buy a cigarette from her. And then like, just I was like, I'm just trying to. You don't, but you don't have a dollar. Like I, I'm telling you, I have a dollar. And I'm glad yeah. that it didn't work out that way because I gave that dollar to Bishop, the homeless man that I met the next day. Lovely. Yeah. So um, there were some lovely strangers and some not so lovely strangers. I, uh, I do get this a bit here at home, but my goodness, anywhere from five to ten times a day, someone saying, oh my God, I love your glasses. Oh my goodness. Like you, the away the Americans froth from Michael's glasses was bananas. <laughs> It was so, like, we went to Amoeba on the last day and, like, every single salesperson you met was like, yeah. I love them! I love your glasses! Where did you get them? And then one, I was like, uh, I got was them. the woman in Amoeba. Yeah, yeah. I got them from iBuyDirect. And she's like, oh my god, I got these from iBuyDirect! No, what was perfect was that as Michael was saying iBuyDirect, she's gone, iBuyDirect! Yeah. So she just got so excited. <laughs> um, so, yeah, iBuyDirect. They've got some pretty cool frames. Also, every stranger who complimented my shoes and my hair, they, oh, yeah. they, that happened. You were getting a lot of that. Yeah, funnily enough, that was nice. Do you want to tell them about your smoke shop person in Fresno? Oh, well, I mean, we could do a whole list of times I got sexually harassed um, mm -hmm. on the street. Mm -hmm. womp, um, womp. But um, let's see, there was some pervy old guy at a smoke shop in Fresno who, as I turned to put my receipt in my pocket, literally just went, mmm, lovely. And I like looked and he was looking right at my ass and I was like, oh, thanks. And then as I left, he was like, oh, I hope you come back again soon. I was like, oh, yuck. Bring your, tell your friends to show Tell you. your friends to come. Oh, I was weird. And then, but then there was the guy in San Francisco who <laughs> said, um, hey, you a boy or a girl? I went, oh, I'm a girl. Cool, you got a boyfriend? I was like, no, <laughs> oh, yes, I do. And he was like, oh, fuck, have a good day. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, to the guy in New York who like um, as I passed said what did he say but if there's a pussy I'm hitting that or something I was like 
God's sake. My goodness. Yeah, I got, um, got a, f- yeah, a few inappropriate cat calls around the place. Validating, but gross. Yeah. Um, so there are, yeah, Strangers is a very funny little little piece of the pie. Oh, and Lynette, who worked at... Um... <laughs> oh, Lynette at Bu- uh, Burger King. Burger King. Telequa. Asked me if I had, um, if I had acrylics on. Oh, and then there was that guy who was married at Bojangles, oh, who, no. while in front of his wife and children, came over to tell me that he thought I looked fantastic. And I was like, this is really inappropriate. Mm-hmm. What a gem. We did have... Um, there were those fun girls on the air tram. Yes! Yeah, at, in Orlando. Um, at Disney, Disney World. World. Uh, who were all from Atlanta, Georgia. And yeah. uh, just were... A, a, that was a wild five minutes. I felt like I was at Cancun or something. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> and the girl who came up to me when I was waiting for you all to come out of the toilet, who was told me that I looked beautiful and she oh, thought yeah. I was really special. Oh, and like Emmanuel and Emmett, you know, like yeah. the, um, the, cu- yeah, the the two um, gorgeous people we met in... Uh, Kalispell. Yeah, in Kalispell in the TP. And working class Neil was a, a treat of a person to meet as well. And then you had the Republican conservatives that we got caught confined in a very small space with on the way to the top of the St. Louis Arch. <laughs> yeah. Who... Um, didn't think that COVID was a problem anymore and they didn't understand why they had to wear a mask on their upcoming cruise. Oh, they were less enjoyable life. strangers to, to get to know. Yeah. Um, mm. There were so many people. Yeah, it was incredible. Some great strangers. Oh, loads of, oh, loads of, of people. Places you would absolutely revisit. Oh, I am already decided I'm going back to Portland to record the upcoming poetry collection, so I'll be going back there. I would really like to go back to New Orleans. I would happily go back to Louisiana again. I would go back to Dallas again, not stay where we stayed. Um, But Dallas had some really interesting things on offer and we just didn't have enough time there for me to Mm -hmm. really explore some of the stuff that I wouldn't have minded doing in the city. I'd go back to New York. I'd go back to Philly. I'd go back and stay with the Krabby Apples in a heartbeat. Oh, and Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. I want to go back to witchy, witchy, foresty Massachusetts. What about you? Um, I was talking about this with Teague. I'd love to take him with me to see some of the places that he missed out on. So uh, Chicago, Seattle, Portland were the main ones. Yellowstone. Yellowstone. And like... It's about taking a week to go through Yellowstone. Well, and do Glacier. And, oh, Glacier. We really, we missed out on Glacier, but um, except for our little moment in Two Medicine, which... Yeah. Is probably one of the most most important memories that I've referred to since I got back. To be honest, yeah, I I can't underestimate under underestimate <laughs> how much oh what half an hour yeah in two medicine. No, it was a complete turning point meant. for what happened from then on. It was just it was wonderful. Biggest debacles. This was a request. <laughs> We both did a social media call out for what you wanted to hear on this episode. And a lot of them Our were... friends are hateful. Hurtful, I thought. <laughs> Hurtful, I thought. Uh, <laughs> this one came from someone who was like, I don't want to hear all, all the happy things. Uh, <laughs> that was I love thing the drama. Shit. What's the biggest debacle? Oh, God. So I think biggest debacle 
goes to the losing the keys, mm-hmm. getting scammed, feeling like rubbish. Five hours in Buffalo situation. I think Teague's laughing at us outside the outside this room. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, except for meeting Gideon. That was lovely. Yeah. He was the sort of the... Saving the, grace. The little of saving the grace day. of the Buffalo situation. But yeah, that was probably the worst nightmare. COVID would have to be a, another one. Pretty up there. That uh, was a giant spanner that I could have done without, but managed with anyhow. Provincetown. Provincetown. Just the mindset going into it. We wish we'd approached it differently. Mm. Kind of attached to Buffalo would be the great grinder debacle of Toronto. It wasn't even a grinder debacle. We were just... I've talked about that situation a fair bit since then and how how just associated we'd become and how we really just lost mm-hmm. lost the plot, literally lost the plot. And it was very hard to be in that headspace where you know you're not doing the right thing and you know that you're not behaving as the way you ordinarily would, but for some reason you just can't kind of pull yourself out of bad habits. But it was a really important turning point for us as well um, yeah. in Toronto. So yeah, definitely a big debacle. Um, Places you would not return to. Been there, done that. Yes. I actually don't think I would, I would go back to San Francisco. I think I feel like I got from there what I wanted. I, I'm not saying I wouldn't, I don't want to go back there, but I don't feel like, I don't feel a need to return. I I would want to go there for something. Like, sure, like for some more, yeah. Or pride or whatever. Mm. Like I, because there's so much of it we didn't get to see, mm. but yeah, it, I, I mean, we've, I've been there, what, three times now, mm, if you sure. count when I was there when I was 16. I wouldn't bother about going back to Vegas. No, Washington DC, I wouldn't, uh, I've got, I got what I needed from there. I mean, there are some things that I, would, I wouldn't have minded doing. I'm not going to make an effort to go back to Washington DC. Yeah. There are so many museums that we didn't get to. True, like, a lot of the um, Smithsonian stuff we would have loved to have done. But we, we chose one Smithsonian and went to that because we had to narrow it down. I can't say I'm on. I'm in a hurry to go back to Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, sorry. That, that was not it. Uh, of all the cities, I feel like that was the one I felt most uncomfortable in. Yeah, and we're just in shitty accommodation, a shitty part of town. It just wasn't. I feel a bit bad for poor Cleveland. <laughs> I'm sure it has things to offer. We, and we had fun at the, um, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. But otherwise, there's not too much kind of going on there. I'm keen on checking out again. Um, I don't know if I'd go back. Oh, actually, Kansas City, I wouldn't mind going back to. I re- there were a lot of beautiful pieces of architecture I would have loved to have spent more time around. And there's so much that I would go back to, but I don't know if I ever will, really. Yeah, that's just it. I was talking with my parents today and was like, there's so many, so many places I'd like to yeah. spend more time in, but like, Why I can't not? be thinking about going back to America a long time. For a long time because there's the rest of the world to see. Yeah, that's it. I won't be going back to Cape Cod either. That was... Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't go out of my way for it. No. But, um... Or Boston. Pretty much any kind of... I mean, Massachusetts, I want to check out some of those bits and pieces. I go to Salem, but there wasn't much else of New England that I really felt drawn to, like Connecticut or anything like that. Yeah. Ah. Um... I just like... I'm just hearing like... Of like a ton of Americans just being like, fuck my drag, right? (laughs) (laughs) But also, you can tempt this back. Yeah. Oh, please. Because there are some lovely people like Marco in... Yeah, absolutely. In Boston who 
maybe I would go back just to like stay with him and mm. see what Boston is like from his perspective. For sure. Do you have any serendipitous songs, like songs that came on unplanned that just happened to perfectly suit the situation? Um, I probably do, but my brain is like cooked. The only one I can think of is Level Up. That was the big one of the whole oh, yeah. trip. Good old Level Up. The other ones that come to mind for me are both in San Fran um, on that first time when when we were crossing Folsom Street and Tori right. sings Hand Me My Leather. And like, <laughs> How appropriate. That's fantastic. But then soon after that, soon after that, we were crossing the Bay Bridge and Alanis's Citizen of the Planet came on mm. and that was... That really moved me because it was such a, like, lean into what you're doing here, mm. exploring the world and and feeling it kind of thing. We nearly had a great one in Virginia where we were sitting in um, a restaurant with the crabby apples and a sort of fairy tale came on. But then we found out that the lovely Speed Bliss, Josh, had um, engineered the situation. Yes. I thought, wow. Oh, I was, like, going to scream. Where would you recommend people go? Ooh, um, gosh, there's so many places. Um, I suppose it depends on, I suppose I should go a bit more detailed. Um, I recommend people see Strange Loop on Broadway. Yeah. Um, I recommend the City Museum yes. in St. Louis. Uh, Corner Pocket, which is the bar in New Orleans where we met said Hot Go-Go Boy. That was a fun little bar with... It's not as like intense as the ones on bourbon, so it just had just a cooler vibe and more touching. <laughs> uh, Pal's bookshop. Oh in God, Portland. bookstores is its own thing. Yeah. Do we want to do bookstores? Then? Yeah, we'll do bookstores yeah. separately. Um, but um, uh, in Pal's brings to mind. Go walk along that the sort of the river in Chicago and just live your rom-com girl fantasy. That was a really beautiful stretch to walk along in the middle of the city. Yeah, so lovely. And there's also like the um, the river walkway in San Antonio that um, you could you, you might miss if you weren't looking for it. Um, mm. Go see Cloudgate in yeah, Chicago. Yeah, Cloudgate. Like, honestly, I just thought it was going to be a shiny, shiny ball, but it like, I don't know, opened something in me. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> No, it's... It, Enough about your personal life. It's far more impressive piece of art than I anticipated it would be. Go to Virginia. I think Roanoke was really cute. And Virginia is just a beautiful part of America. Mm. Um, oh, Harvey Gap. Definitely not something that we would have, we would have ordinarily oh, yeah. done. And thanks to the woman who... The ranger who told us to go there. That was one of my favourite experiences of the whole trip was going swimming in Harvey Gap. I like pretending that that ranger... Didn't actually exist. Yeah, it was Scarlet. <laughs> because we, we pull up to this reservoir and there's this park ranger just sitting on a bench putting on sunscreen. And like, I can't see a car yeah, for her no, it wasn't. anywhere. And then she's like, oh, well, if you're up here you and you want blue water, you should go to uh, Harvey's Gap. And we were like, oh, but we weren't planning on doing that. We're going to do the waterfalls and then we'll be done. And then she's like, the... There's a swimming beach. No, it was the next person who said a swimming beach. When we got to the waterfall, oh, she yeah, told right. us to go to the swimming beach. And that was when we were like, well, we're, no, we're doing that. Yeah. And then when we drove back past the reservoir, there was no sign of the woman. I mean, admittedly, it had been like two hours. 
but I still like Let to us pretend have our fantasy, okay? that she was an illusion <laughs> just to tell us to go to Harvey's An apparition. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so bookstores then. Let's do bookstores. I, I, I yield my time to you. <laughs> okay, my favourites were Powell's mm-hmm. in Portland. In Portland. Bookloft in Columbus. Columbus amazing. Uh, Women and Children First yep. in Chicago. Yep. I've been there before, but it was the first time I'd seen their new premises. Books of Wonder in New York City. Mm-hmm. For a second-hand offering, I'm going to throw in the book Mill in Massachusetts. That was lovely. Because the Lady Killigrew yep. Tea Cafe, Tea House or whatever Near it's the called. Little waterfall. Just the experience of sitting in the cafe then going to browse secondhand books was just so wonderful so yeah they're probably my picks. and um, i know that i know you've only forgotten it but oh, i'm fabulous. giovanni's room oh giovanni's room, giovanni's room in and fabulosa and fabulosa in san francisco which was very queer spots and even um was it silver where did we go in san francisco that was the cute little queer comic book shop there was sour cherry yeah, it was, that was really fun as well. I loved that. And that's relatively new and, like, independently owned. And um, So, yeah, if you're in San Fran, go check out Sour Cherry Comic Shop. It's super queer and super cute. Mm. And there's a billion things there I wanted to buy. Yes. But alas, money is a thing. Indeed it was. And we certainly spent a lot on books. Yep. You know, all told. Do we want to do accommodation? We kind of talked about it a little bit with beds, but... Well, I mean, if we, yeah, I mean, we could talk, we could, yeah, we could, um, well, I would, you know, I mean, Washington deserves a thumbs down. The place is here in Washington, D.C. Talk about bad Wi-Fi and talk about just a complete, yeah, like, put that place specifically with Wi-Fi because I had a telehealth appointment with my therapist that night. And then we get there and I can't connect and it's telling me that the reason I can't connect is because... You haven't paid your bill. <laughs> and I contact them about it and nothing. Yeah. And like, we got sent these really intense, ridiculous rules about all the things we could and couldn't do. And like, the place didn't have any dishwashing liquid. And, but we like, it was like, well, you have to clean the dishes. You can't, like, we had to leave the place spotless. But like, Otherwise, there was no we would cleaning have been material. For ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah. We had to go buy our own cleaning products. Yeah. It was, it was BS that place. The place said in Ash, that me and T said in Ash Fork sucked. Um, the place in Cleveland was horrible. Dallas was a nightmare. So, yeah. Probably, I think Dallas was the worst, just because we also had people knocking on our door and trying to use a phone charger, and it was all a bit... And then the police, police. in the morning. That was all a lot. Um, and I think, like, I'm talking about accommodation separate from the people who housed us. Like, that's... Oh, yeah. I liked where we stayed in New York for all that it was very small and stuffy, but yeah. it was a cute little little place to call home. Yeah, there are a few, a few places. I think my favourites were always when we were crashing with friends. Oh, absolutely. Regardless of the situation. Although it is surprising how many people out there have cats and I have an allergy. So. <laughs> but I rolled with it and there weren't any issues. No, we did all right. Best and worst drives. Mm. Um, the drive into Virginia was a fave. The drive into New Orleans was really special. I'd say that was the best one because me and Teague was just the two of us together and... That was when oh, we were I see really, how it is. we were really, <laughs> <laughs> we were really opening up to each other, and um, it was a real forging of our friendship. 
that we have separate from Michael. Yes. And um, that was really wonderful. And just kind of in these very lush healing swamps, that was, I really loved that drive. Um, the drive all the way through the Rockies, like basically oh. from Denver up to Kalispell, heaven, yeah. every minute of it. Absolutely. Um, especially the stretch when we were going into, we were going from the wild horses through to, was that to Three Forks? Yeah. yeah. The really rocky canyon bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. With the dirt road. Yeah, but it was like, no one as far as I could see, and I got to drive 100 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice you driving 100 miles an hour. I mean, nothing. <laughs> I also find it. It was I took... also special because we listened to Hari and Arm's interview together. Ah, uh, yes. That was a great. That was a great drive. I um, took some photos when we reached the border because I found it very amusing that as you crossed into Wyoming, they, Wyoming paid for asphalt. <laughs> we had been driving on a dirt road for so long <laughs> and then we come up to the border and all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. it's just this solid line and then you're on yeah, it was a paved spot. road. Yeah, it was <laughs> Worst drive, I think, was um, for a number of reasons. When me and Teague left Joshua Tree and then had to drive to Ash Fork, we'd kind of done that, you know, last services for 200 miles and it was just nothing. And like, we'd, we'd left Michael in Palm Springs, so we were just really down in the mouth and dispirited and disheartened and just everything felt empty. I was really tired and really suffering from white line fever, which is, as anyone knows, who does a long drive and there's nothing to kind of keep your brain active. Like the, the sort of, the passing of the white lines under your car distracts your eye and it can make, it can be quite nauseating. And it was hot and bright and glaring. It just was, it was, and then to kind of wind up in Ash Fork, which is literally the armpit asshole of Arizona was not, like, was not a cute day. So that drive really sucked. I, I think the drive from Woodstock to Toronto would not have been so bad had it not been so ridiculous traffic-wise yeah. as soon as we crossed the border. Like, it should have been an hour at most, but it took us two and a half and ridiculous. we were crawling. 40 minutes was, was, was what we were told it was going to take in the hours. And like knowing as well that 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 was eating into our time with Mike. Yeah. And we're, we'd gone away to Canada like, and we're just like losing time, just stuck in traffic. Fair enough, we made the best of it by listening to Janet Jackson, but mm -hmm. we were really losing our noodles by that we point. Did, we did Velvet Rope from beginning to end. We did. It's fabulous. Funnily enough, the drive from Portland to San Francisco was painstakingly long and we were running on less than five hours sleep between us. Um, yeah, I'm about to say, like, I had two and a half. Yeah, <laughs> and I had one and a half, so there you go. That's There's your there's your five hours. And um, so we were knackered and we had to nap. But it was kind of still a fun drive. Like, it was still a beautiful drive and that was still a nice time. The drive from Moy Springs to Seattle was super dull. A bit dry. Yeah. And we had been told that it was going to be super dull. Uh. But if we'd gone the scenic way, it would have added four hours. Yeah. Really to our work. already six hour drive. So we decided to just power through yeah. and we got to see lots of irrigated farmland. Yeah, lovely. The drive 
to New York was also a bit chock-a-block with cars and that sucked because we were like then running really late to see John Asler and I was stressed and it was... That was also partially because we inadvertently had the directions set to avoid tolls. Oh no, that was the... Yeah, yes, that that's right. That yeah, time. yeah, and we were like, what is this? We were being sent through all of these random back streets by the GPS and we're like, why on earth is this taking place? Yeah, it was only until then that we figured out we'd been doing that the whole bloody time and no wonder we kept taking all these roundabout ways to places. <laughs> But it was, um, I'd say though that it was good because it was nice. seeing the whole thing via highways would have been really not fun. We, we, I really enjoyed the parts where we kind of got to go through the backwoods of Maryland. Like that was cool. Yeah. And like the time in the Rockies where we actively oh. chose not to take the freeway. Yep. Friggin Dallas to KC. That drive, oh yeah, that know, one too. That was great. Yeah, it was really lovely. And the one to to medicine. Oh, yeah, where we couldn't go the real scenic route because apparently we didn't book in the first three minutes. The tickets went. Yeah, on if sale. you want to go to Glacier, you've got to actually like freaking book it in to get on the um, what's it called? The Sun Road. The, the up on the Sun. sun journey to the Let's Sun. Let's fuck on the Sun. Yeah, something like that. Sun Road, something. <laughs> anyway. Apparently, it's very worthwhile. Uh, <laughs> are we going to share grinder stories? Why the devil not? So, other than your boyfriend, oh, <laughs> way to bust me! Right? Yeah, well, like I met, I met my now boyfriend on Grinder. Um, but that was not. So that was the worst. That was, was yeah, the best. pit. Yeah. <laughs> That was really, that's been a very special kind of, it's a whole podcast of its own, that one. Um, but yeah, so meeting meeting him, you know, the, um, the fella from Seattle that you might have um, heard about in previous episodes was the best. Um, the worst would absolutely be the fuckwit who left me high and dry in the middle of San Diego at 11.30 at night saying that he was running late and then just did not turn up and then messaged me the next day to say that he got caught up Cleaning, his, cleaning his house or something. Just bibbity bobbity bullshit. Um, then the guy who... There were just so many ghosts. Um, the guy who ghosted me in Georgia. But then there were people like... There was um, a guy who was a really big Tory fan that I ended up chatting to in New Orleans. I really wish we'd managed to stay in contact. There was a guy who kind of set up that we were going to meet in Denver and then just did not... Was talking to you for like a month. Ages, like you know, started talking to me in Phoenix, in Phoenix when we were on our way to Vegas. So like it was a, it was a long setup, and I got a lot of video, and there was kind of, I, it was very kind of odd how that all panned out, but that's how it panned out. The charming, um, pancake guy from Connecticut, that was yeah. a whole adventure. Um, who, you know, made a bit of a trek to have an intimate evening, and similar situation in Denver. That was. That was nice. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Well, the sort of most memorable ones are the hilarious, <laughs> very inappropriate oh my God. conversations. Because I'd put in my profile that, you know, it's very unlikely anything was going to happen because of our schedule. But also chat to me about Tori Amos. Mm. And so the amount of people that tried to open with, you know, Pretending that they knew anything about Tori Amos other than what they'd managed to glean from a four-second Google. 
Uh, <laughs> was, was rather entertaining. Um, and some of them were... And I some think... of them took a turn for the extremely explicit and hilarious simultaneously. Well, there will be a dramatic reading on Michael's Patreon. Of... <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'll, uh, yeah we'll, we'll read that one out. But behind a paywall so I don't get, like, people Into... hunting me down. Yes, indeed. But then there's also, like, that lovely, lovely man, I'll have to see if I can find the chat, who started chatting to me in Woodstock. Mm. Uh, and it turns out that he used to play in a band called Afterglow, who opened for Tori on her tour in 92. Yeah, amazing. And I was like, of all the connections to make. Yeah. I just thought that was in a, a great connection. Yeah, agreed. But yeah, they were, they're a colourful bunch, those Americans. They Indeed. do not beat around the bush. They don't. Uh, or they, I wish they would. Never mind. <laughs> yes. Sometimes I wish they would uh, cage their words yeah. a little bit. There's a lot, like the grinder culture in America is so different to what we have here in Australia. Like I'd never encountered so much like passive aggression and like issues with read receipts like around that I just never have had that many people where I'll read a message I won't reply and I get like oh well I guess not then or what did you get like should I block (laughs) yeah yeah mate guy messaged me like three times over the space of a few hours and I didn't reply and then the next day he's like should I block I'm like I don't know you can do what you like like, but for goodness sake. It was just a very different kind of situation. Or a lot of people who like would send you a message and then you didn't reply. So then they just sent you like just a fuck ton of nudes as if that was going to be the, 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 the like the, the yeah. transforming factor. Or there was a guy in Toronto who was just like, hi, hi, I like you. <laughs> right. You fuck me. Hi. You're handsome. Hi, you're handsome. <laughs> Available now? Oh, God. Like, honestly, constant. I didn't respond to a single message. It was but too much. It was constant for about four hours. And, like, and just people who, like, string you along. Like, this is the thing with, like, the guy in Georgia and the guy in San Diego. It was like, mate, if if you're not going to see me, just tell me. Like, I, like, this is someone who, like, gave me their number and was texting me right up until the last fucking second. I'm like piss off like and like how shitty that you've taken my availability to see somebody else yeah by just stringing me along for hours fuck that I mean, it was really enraging um like just don't don't kind of go to that next level yeah totally fair when like i was there was one person in the mix who was like wanting to book a hotel room for us to do the do in and i was like i'm not going to book this thing unless you commit and i'm like well this is I'm saying like, I'm committing, but also I understand why this would be stressful because so many people will take you right up to the last minute and just, oh, yeah. and just disappear. Um, well, like that. he only lasted 20 seconds anyway. <laughs> oh, poor man. Well, there was the, the guy in San Fran who, um, fell asleep. <laughs> he, he, he told me <laughs> that he was about to have a cat nap before I arrived. And then <laughs> I stood outside his hotel for 20 minutes before calling it a night. And then the next day he's like, I am so sorry. I slept through my alarm. It was fine. 
I ended up catching up with him that day and mm. it was well worth it. So. Yeah. As opposed to the person you had gone to instead of his who made you wait outside their room for 15 minutes oh while goodness. their friends packed up their... Oh, God. If we've just... Ha- like, suffice to say, we've had a lot of hilarious... Ridiculous. Yeah, it was a, it was a time and a half. We also got, uh, when we did our socials, we also got asked a few more serious questions. But before we get into those, I realised we haven't talked about, because obviously Wednesday we finished um, in Eugene, but we had a whole bit chunk more time in America between Eugene and coming home, which kind of, we're still a sort of fairy tale country, but we, um, we're just catching up on what we did in that last little stretch from... Eugene to San Fran to Fresno to LA to home. Yeah. Well, I mean, we stayed in a different area of San Fran, which is a fair bit dodgier um, in terms of a lot more homeless. The weather was a lot grayer and grimmer than yeah, when we'd been there the like, first time. So it was almost like two completely different experiences mm-hmm. in that city. It's like Melbourne weather. Yeah, it was like preparing us to go home. But um, we did get to meet with the wonderful Maggie Takuda Hall. Author of The Mermaid, The Witch, and The Sea. Yes, which you really should read because it's brilliant. It is fantastic. And the and sequel is on its way. Ooh. Is that an exclusive? Should we have said that? I don't know. <laughs> um, if Maggie, if you're listening, we're sorry. <laughs> Just maybe message us and we'll fix it. All about um, 20 listeners. Yeah. 30. 30 listeners. Uh, 30 flirty and thriving. But um, she gave us some great recommendations of things to do. And we saw... A pretty cool bookshop with a great poetry lounge. Actually, I should have mentioned that one that we went oh, to. Oh, City Lights. Yeah, that, no, was, that was the That was the... When we went to <laughs> Barnes, Barnes & Noble, Noble in Portland. We um, met a straight... In inverted commas. Um, lovely, lovely man who... Um, inc- insisted that he was the only straight man at a Kylie concert. And, like, and I'm not going to make judgments about straight men and Kylie. That wasn't the thing. What, what amazed me is he, we, I was getting a movie, I was getting all about Eve, and I made a bit of reference. He was like, that was a terrible Betty Davis. <laughs> You're not straight. Give me a break. But also, before then, when I was browsing the young adult section, uh, he came over and was helping me try to find Maggie's book. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> He was like, is that an Australian accent I recognise? Because he's British and so he has a British accent and he quite often gets mistaken for Australian in America. Which I then did. (laughs) I mistook him for Australian a second later. (laughs) And then his question to me was, well, I've only got one question of importance. How do you feel about Neighbours ending? And I was like, well, as I've never watched an episode, I, uh, I'm sure I'll live. Yeah, straight as a board. <laughs> Bless him. Uh, yeah. But anyway, he suggested that we go to City Lights in yes. San Francisco. And I am glad so we, we went. Did. It wasn't quite the experience we were looking for, but um, had a really lovely, powerful experience. And they had a whole um, upstairs annex dedicated to poetry and um, beat writing, which was incredible. And we did manage to find the book for A Strange Loop. So I was able to buy that to revisit it uh, in detail because of how much it affected me 
while we watched. <sighs> and then we drove from there to Fresno and had just a really lovely, chill time hanging with Geordie. Yeah. Who's such a dear soul and can talk about music with Geordie till... Took us to buy some vinyl around Fresno and took us out for wings, which were delicious and horrifically spicy. We introduced um, him to Kath and Kim. We did, and he loved it. Yeah. And that was a great time. And Fresno was blistering hot as well, so we just got to nap and chill and just be ourselves. And that was really lovely. And took us out for breakfast the next day as well, very early before we scooted down to L.A., and on the way, we stopped in at Six Flags Magic Mountain because we just wanted to get a bit of a roller coaster fix. We did. We wanted our last little bit of like childish fun and we got it. We did. Um, well, here you go. Do you want to... Michael <laughs> did a... <laughs> do you want to... A ranking? I, don't you remember? I, I remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we ended up getting... Like, we were only there for... Three or three I think, and we, a half I think hours. we did six rides. And yeah. We did six rides. It was busy. It was like school holiday. I think it was like still school holidays or like but it was then a weekend. And... We were on our way to our very fancy hotel suite, and so we also wanted to make the most of that. So yeah, for sure. We could have stayed for a lot longer, but we it was decided... also I can't tell you how hot it was. We were oh. so dehydrated. Yeah. I so we weren't going to last too. Had long, a bit really. of a. You did a have a spin, bit of... a turn. Yes. I took a turn. I took a turn. Get me mother's tonic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Blanche, my smelling salts. But our favourite rides were Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was the which best. It took us a while to work out what it even was because it's so new it's not on the map. Yeah. It's not on the website and it's not on the printed map. It's just a blank space that says under construction. But we were looking at this roller coaster, being like, but what is it? And we had to walk all the way around to the other side. And then we got there and we're like, oh, it's the Wonder Woman ride. And like this one, unlike almost all roller coasters, is like it's a single file ride. Mm -hmm. So the track is literally one bar. And it was, f and that made it so fucking terrifying. Because there's like, just, you feel like there's no infrastructure around you yeah. at all. It's like you're, uh, whirling around on her lasso that's yeah. like whipping about the place and I managed to get in the front seat so there was like almost nothing between me and certain death certain death uh it was so good great twists great loops long track yeah great exp oh, it's just so much fun what a rhythm and the line moved so quickly yeah well which I th was surprised by because uh, there were so few seats well, there's about just, eight, yeah. but there's probably at least three or four carriages going at once. Yeah. And they don't even stop moving. Like No, you had to jog on to it. You had to, yeah. yeah, jump on while it's moving. Then they get you strapped in. I think also like, made it a great, that was a great compactor. So I was like, yeah, well, here we go. Like, yeah, let's make yeah. it happen. Um, and, and also the Riddler. The Riddler's Revenge was probably the second favourite. Was one where you kind of weirdly standing. Well, you could choose at whether you want to, you could choose at kind of what height you want to experience it. So some people were sat all the way down. I wanted to stand because I wanted to experience what that was like. And spoiler alert, it's so scary because you don't, you feel strapped in, but you're upright. So it just, yeah. <laughs> it just made it, it was just a very different dynamic. And the track was great. Yeah. Great track on it. A lot of good twists and turns and 
everything kind of twisted in on itself and so you felt very kind of like knotted up in the thing and that was cool. The Superman ride was fun, but just over too quickly. Yeah, you pretty much just, they just like it shoot you, you out. It right up and then you just come straight back and that's it, you're done. It was, it was <laughs> cool. cool moment though is. Great. Yes, um, but it was pretty cool. I just think they could have afforded to put, put you through it twice. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, but it was, that was good fun. The, the Viper was, oh, was pretty yeah, good. We, we enjoyed the Viper. Uh, there was the classic revolution, which was pretty stock standard. That was our first one. And that yeah. was a, a nice warm up. Yeah. And it's like the oldest, it's the oldest roller coaster in the park or something. It's like the first yeah. ever Six Flags. And the other one that, um, we went on the Ninja, the Ninja, which was like one of those ones where you're suspended from above. And that went through this like whole water park a bit, like like two rides kind of interacted with each other. And that felt really awesome because you were getting like splashes from the water from the other ride. And that was fun. It was a really fun little one. It was, it was great. We just yeah, we opted out of like waiting two and a half hours for yeah, we some did, of the... Neither, no, we did not have that on us. Yeah. Some of the rides we were like, that would be great. But also I'm not, I'm not standing here. I mean, that being said, it was probably the most expensive thing we did over the horse of the whole you trip. shut your mouth. <laughs> no, I think the most expensive thing we did was the hotel room in LA. Yes, no, that's true. That is true. But then, um, and speaking of LA, we had a lovely pool. We had a little bath. We yeah. had a little suite to record in. And yeah, we completely unpacked all of our bags only to repack them yeah. again and make sure they were correct weights. I had a two hour long FaceTime conversation while you went out and got lucky. <laughs> that was yeah, a good time. That was and we fun. had, um, we ended up going out to Naughty Pig for, for dinner. Yeah. It was nice. That was nice. And then the next day we, um, we rode lime scooters. We rode lime scooters. We had to fit it in somewhere. So our last day in the country seemed like as good a time as any to try and squeeze that in. Check out Circus of Books and all the sexy toys and cards and and outer and underwear. Then we went and ate lunch at the Abbey. Which was awesome. Which was great. They had such lovely staff and the food was was really nice vibe. Yeah, the food was gorgeous. They accidentally brought us dessert first (laughs) and (laughs) I immediately broke into dessert first, first, dessert first, first. walk into lunch, dessert first, which got some good laughs from the staff. We had Um, a really good fun time. That was a lot. And then our last day in LA was full of a few emotional moments as well, um, but we took ourselves to Amoeba. Yeah, I got a big gulp at last. Yeah, we, we, the extra double large, <laughs> or whatever it was oh, called. Oh, I want one now. Double extra large. I just, I wouldn't give for a blue raspberry slushy about now. Yeah. Figure out where um, they sell them. Someone's got to do blue raspberry. But we stopped back in Amoeba and I managed to find a few little gems. Yeah. I wanted to pick up Jonah Newsom's last album because I realised that I didn't own it and she ain't on the Spotify for the, the good ethical reasons that, you know, I just try and pay. It's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. And we think... Spotify for this free hosting service, <laughs> so uh, I won't go into that too deeply. Mm. But then I also managed to find Wise, her other album, which is one of my top five albums of all time on vinyl, and so bought that for myself as a, yeah. a big pretty. Uh, and then found another special edition of Scarlet's Walk, 
And even though it didn't have the charm in it, which was the main reason I wanted it, I bought it anyway because it was all of $5. Yeah, what are you going to do? And then I also found the anniversary edition of Boys for Pele for $3, um, which I thought I had already owned. And then I get home and it turns out that I didn't actually buy it when it came out. So that was not a wasted $3. Absolutely not. No, indeed. I... Well, I bought my first vinyls ever. I was, I've been gifted two vinyls in my time. I was gifted Christmas Tide by Tori Amos and Native Invader by Tori Amos. But when I, people are like, we want to get you the vinyl. I'm like, I don't have a vinyl player. <laughs> but I now have a vinyl player thanks to a very good friend. So I was like, well, now's the time to buy my first vinyl. And I bought Tyler Childers' Purgatory, which has uh, got some sentimental value for me off the back of this trip. I also managed to find a picture disc of the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack. <laughs> And um, when we first went to Amoeba, when we were first in LA, they had Under the Pink, the special pink vinyl edition, um, which Michael bought. And there were two there. And I thought, if there's one here when we come back, then I'll buy that, which there was. So I did. Yay. Yay. So my collection begins. Yay. I'm not going to make it very big. I don't care enough. But um, yeah. Yeah. I'm it'll probably just be fact, only Tory stuff. I'm thinking of going through mine and weeding it out, even though I've only got like 20 in sure. total. Because I'm just like, I don't actually listen to these. They're more collector's items, so I probably don't need Kids Praise 4 from my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Yeah. And that was, um, that was our last little chunk of time. And then we drove out to the airport and spent a bunch of hours in transit. And pissing about, fanning around, dagging around the airport. Dagging around the airport. Well, Oof. let's cap off this episode with some more intimate insights, shall we? So when we asked people what they want to hear on this final episode, I was expecting best Americanisms, strangest sights, you know, largest ball of twine, uh, whatever. Biggest political issue that you, you know, rank, rank the five... Most intense political actions that happened while you're in the country. I'm going to read them all out back to back okay. just so you can hear what the caliber of, of question. And what trauma our networks wanted to put us through. <laughs> I want to hear about your own walk and what Scarlett told you on this journey. The story of your heart. What did you receive on this journey from the divine? What did you learn that hit you out of nowhere? Does Scarlet have a new message for the people? And what have you learned about your voice and what you want to say? Come on. Right. So as you've now guessed, this episode will be six hours long <laughs> as we dissect ourselves oh, golly. and all of this. All right, let's do this. And then I need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> to recover. I need a Bex and a lie down. After this, what Scarlett has told us in our own journey. I think for me, mm. a, a big part of what I've taken away from this is that I'm much clearer on my goals, what I want to achieve yeah. for myself. That's everything from big picture career stuff right down to creative works and how I want to go about producing them. But not just clearer on my goals, but also in the knowledge that I'm the only one that can do them. Yeah. Like no one else is going to achieve my goals. Yes. It's simply it's not be possible. Mm. 
And so I'm ready to lean in and give it my all. I think for me, it's been twofold. On the one hand, it's about, I think, you know, the, a big component of the walk was reopening my heart and, and the journey that, you know, everyone will have heard about by now on that front. But also that this world is so beautiful and what we've done as a society so contrastingly hideous that there is no more time for us to be people who are like, I'm not political. It's just, we're just not there. Um, mm. So unless we're all about to become nihilists, which is a choice, um, then it's time to kind of grow up and, yeah. and, and wake up to what kind of misdeeds are being done at our expense. Um, the political movements in America and the ones that are happening around the world warrant our engagement on an individual and on a community level. So yeah. that was really the big, that was the big takeaway from the walk for me. So the story of your heart, what, what did we receive on this journey from the divine? I, I feel like for me, it was really surprising that people were so engaged. Hmm that people were interested in what I had to say and believe that what I had to say is important. Yeah. And so one of, one of my biggest journeys that I'm still undertaking is that finding compassion for myself. Mm. And so if simply just talking about what I've been through is enough to engage people and have them share their experiences with me. And prompt so much generosity of all forms. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just feel like I've got to make the most of this sort of precious gift mm. that has been given to me. And I feel like I've come away knowing that there is something that I can do that helps other people, but also helps myself. I feel like I'm a little less resentful about what life dealt me mm -hmm. in some ways. I'm not entirely there to, you know, the, the self-love and compassion yeah. and forgiveness and, um, yeah, both, all both myself yeah. and the other parties involved. But I, I do feel like I'm less jaded about the whole situation. That's wonderful. Well, I mean, it's the, it's the big one. Um, I mean, I arrived in America feeling very much like I should just kind of let, let situations with relationships just kind of stew and, and do their own thing while I was away. And I made some choices along the way. And I certainly felt very uncertain about how to move forward and very stuck until, you know, a very chance encounter blossomed into something really amazing. Mm. Um, and the course of my life after this trip has completely changed. And I suppose it kind of speaks a lot to what advice I give anyone around taking a chance and 
having faith and not looking for it and letting it find you and focusing on your own growth and that will bring the right things into your life if you remain open yeah like it's just a complete a complete change mm. um and certainly so far from what i thought would kind of come of this you know um yeah so yeah you know and i got some really lovely feedback on the episode we did about mrs jesus and about finding roots and about you know you know, redesigning your destiny. Yeah. And to kind of be in that place now where I feel even more empowered to do that than ever is just amazing. Fantastic. On top of all the beautiful things that you already talked about. Yeah. What hit you out of nowhere? It's a funny one because I was so prepared for just anything to happen, but I suppose New York was a real change. Um, and a, that kind of whole city just overwhelmed me in a way that I didn't expect. And I know that, you know, we had this night where we all were really excited to go out together as a trio. And it was like Teague's last night in America. And I got five minutes in before I just completely fell apart and really melted down in a way I did not expect. Um, and I suppose what really hit me out of nowhere in that sense was that it's not easy and it's not going to go the way that you imagine it goes and things will affect each of us in very it's sometimes very painful ways you know mm. we in time i think for all of us the cracks kind of began to show in a lot of different senses you know for our coping mechanisms were being put to the absolute test our friendships had to really level up you know after after that particular night when I ended up walking home like a number of blocks you know we had a conversation it was like we're gonna need to lean on each other a lot better than we have mm. and I think our possibly our failure to do that was what led to sort of the Toronto Buffalo fiasco because we were just kind of just being Aquarians, be like, tra-la-la, I'm fine. Instead of going, hey, you're not, I can see what you're up to and I know that I'm doing the same thing, so let's haul each other out of this. Mm. And it, that took us until Chicago to really, kind of, or Columbus, um, Columbus and Chicago to go, all right, let's just kind of pick each other up here and call, and call each other in. Mm. And that was really powerful too. So that kind of hit me, I don't know. I think for me, the strength, of my insecurities mm -hmm. was surprising. Yeah, yeah. Those those low self esteem moments. Yeah, my self esteem is so shot, and I thought that you know I thought I always knew it was a a problem for me, but I didn't think it would undermine me quite so heavy handedly. And everything from when we're in Provincetown and that sending me right back to. How I haven't felt for years because I have come a long way but it was like really surprising how quickly I was just put back in that headspace mm. and and then everything to how I struggled with the levels of communication that were available to me in the month that Teague and I were uh, separated mm. I really need to look at 
where I'm drawing my strength from mm -hmm. and remind myself that I'm a, I am allowed to lean on myself mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, it's quite difficult to come to terms with the fact that you need as much help as you do. Mm. Yeah. And that you're as immature as you were. And seeing yourself repeat behaviours that you knew got you into trouble oh, in yeah. the past. Fucker. Like, you keep thinking you've learned a lesson and then, oh, here it is again. Like, Bang. Yeah. It really takes you by surprise. Mm. Does Scarlet have a new message for the people? <sighs> I think, you know, one of the hard things to really learn while we were going through this kind of journey through Scarlet's eyes was kind of looking around and going, things aren't much better. If anything, they're worse. I don't know if that means that Scarlet's message is just more urgent hmm. or more absconding or more disappointed. Um, but I suppose, you know, if I could describe it anyway, it might be her saying, we were, we were out of time then. So imagine how much time we don't have left now, 20 years later. Yeah. When I was telling you this shit fucking 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's, I don't, I don't, I couldn't say it's a new message because it's there in the it's album. There, yeah. But I came away on this trip expecting to be so focused on emotional relationships and I was really surprised at how many of my observations were revolving around climate change mm. and the voice of the land but like that's all in the album yeah exactly it's it's not new yeah but for me I feel like we have to make those conversations part of our everyday and actually make progress with them mm. absolutely and you know really change our perspective because the reality is that whilst humans collectively account for a great deal of pressure on the climate, it really is on an organisation, you know, a, a corporate and a government level that this is all kind of going on and our, our, our consumption contributes. And there are so many behaviours we can change, but at the end of the day, we have our advocacy in our political system and our political acumen mm. and our understanding of those systems needs to level up real hard if we're going to do what it is that we need to be doing, which is becoming guardians of this place. Yeah. And and leaning into Indigenous voices to, to lead us in how to save our future generations. As the safety video on yep. New, New Zealand. Zealand tells us, we... Don't um, inherit the earth from our ancestors. Yeah, we borrow it from our children. Yeah. And <laughs> it was naff. I, come on. I love it. It as was far as, as far as safety videos go, Air New Zealand takes the cake. Yeah, the I'll best. give you that. It's like genuine heart, but also humour hmm. mixed with their like indigenous mythology, mythology and mindset. Hmm. I like, I'm so impressed yeah. with the way that Air New Zealand conduct themselves yeah. uh, as far as all of that. Yeah. If you fly into America anytime soon, go via Air New Zealand. They're great. 
And finally, what have we learned about your voice and what you want to say? I think what I've learned most about my voice is it's not just my voice. It's my being that has an impact and it's my decisions. So just by being out in the world openly and honestly and demonstrating what I'm doing and how I'm behaving mm. tells, I think I used to think that my only value could be derived from my social media or, or my speaking opportunities or where I was kind of sitting down on stage and, and talking shit, but actually people are far more observant than I thought. And the most powerful moments from the trip weren't because of the podcast or because of my work. It was times where someone saw me across a restaurant and decided that I was someone they wanted to share that they'd just come out to their niece at the age of 58 or saw me leaning against a bicycle pole and went, I want to talk to her about my transition or saw me leaning back and getting some sun at Orlando and wanted to talk to me about beauty and wanted to talk to me about self-confidence. That was the stuff, you know, um, those are the, the really precious moments. So I learned that it doesn't have to be a platform thing. It can be a living thing. The other realization there is that what I choose to do with my voice is more important than ever. So be really conscious of, of its execution yeah. and make sure that's an important part of what I'm driving towards. So, um, you know, you know, that's in the, what writing we're going to do respectively and what music I'm working on and what blogs, you know, kind of coming out of it and yeah. And what I choose to do. What I've learned about my voice is that it's also, it's not just my voice in that when you speak an intent, when you speak your perspective, but then open yourself to listen. Mm. Like I have gained so much from just being like, here I am. And all of the people that have flocked to tell me how they see themselves in just my simple being. And so to really accept that finding your own voice is actually finding your place in the choir, to put mm. it in a really poxy way. No, I love that. Uh, it's very Tory, isn't it? You know, like using your voice to invite and offer space yeah. for others to be heard and to be because those people entrust you with their voices in turn. Yeah. And that my little voice can actually reach people. Yeah. Some of the messages we get from people who do listen to this podcast yeah. are just so encouraging, so heartwarming and really make us think that, you know, we, we did something worthwhile. Mm. Like maybe we only have 30 listeners, but those 30 people, yeah, it seems to, they seem to get it. Exactly. Thank you for, and thank you so much for listening all this time, you know, hours and hours that you've spent with us over these yeah. eight weeks we were away. Yeah. Um, you know, all of your support and sharing the podcast and in reflecting back to us what it's meant to you and, you know, the, the amount that we have been given financially and in terms of space and food and my God, it just... It'll never fail to blow me away what this has been and mm. what what we continue to make as a result of this is just going to have such an impact far broader based on those generosities. Absolutely. And like, that's just it. Like, what do I want to say with my voice? I'm realizing that 
when you speak up about the things that matter to you, it's because they matter to other people. And while, like, let's be honest, I've never considered writing for adults before, but here I am doing this project and it's people are responding it well and that doesn't mean that all of a sudden I'm going to change my career and the focus of my no, everything but it also means that I can take this mindset of speaking honestly to my writing for children and young adults and it will it will make a difference because I think that's what younger readers look for too they want that honesty yeah I can just sort of lean into it and be myself in all ways and really yeah I've run out of brain but you know touching sincere wrap up statement <laughs> <laughs> insert here yeah uh wow so now to write we well, have yeah. things so you know it will be the drafting of the work and you know so that will be Michael and I will still be catching up for regular creative nights. My next sort of job is to actually do a whole bunch of research, so I'll be coming around here to read a butt ton of stuff and slowly start to gather some thoughts in a poetic way and bring a lot of intense political situations into poetic reflections. And we've got some collaborative projects that we're working on as well. Um, and we're hoping that Tori announces an Australian tour which would prompt Michael's walk season two. Season two. I think, like, that's what we want and that's what we'll get. Yes, we're but, manifesting it. But also, I think we'll do season two regardless. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's there's so much more to Michael's walk than just the eight weeks around America. This now becomes the journey of, yeah, there are more interviews to come. There I've are got, if you want to be interviewed, get in touch. Like, that's what I'll be doing for the next few like six months interviewing people via Zoom and having it all contribute to my writing and sharing stories back and forth. Um, like it's a community thing. We will be putting um, out through our socials a bit of a now what kind of situation about what happens to the GoFundMe, what happens to the channels of supporting us, what, we're, what our sort of next time frame is for different you know, part, you know, our respective projects. So this isn't a thanks for helping us get around the states and we'll see you on the other side. It's you know we're, we're keeping oh, yeah. our creative process. In Which fact, is, there'll be more other than the podcast perhaps. There's actually more content on the way than there has been thus far. Absolutely. Like this journey is one that we want to walk through with all of you until and beyond the releases of our respective publishings and you know following along with the relationships and the friendships and the experiences that we've had and will continue to have in service of these projects. So stay tuned. Yes, but in lieu of a song swap, I would like you to recommend songs to us. Uh, so I was like me. Oh no, <laughs> you. No, you. Listener. You. Oh, dear reader. Uh, <laughs> oh, I didn't see you there. <laughs> Don't you love a good book? <laughs> um, please yeah. send us music that you find healing. Like that's. I'm. Don't even limit it to Tori. I know if you've managed to get to the end of this podcast season, you probably have some like for Tori or at least other people because otherwise you've just gone.
whole lot of trauma for nothing. Um, for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, any music that you find healing, please send our way. Just at us on social media. You can find Michael at Little Elf Man and me at Manifestress. That's the word manifest, R-X-S-S. And um, we'll just keep sharing music and keep, keep healing. Big love, thank you all so much for everything. The Michael's Walk podcast acknowledges that the journey they are undertaking takes place on the sacred and unceded nations of many proud Indigenous peoples. From the lands of the Wurundjeri and the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation, we are fortunate to call home to each and every Native American tribe's land we'll set foot on as we travel. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and humbly acknowledge their sovereignty.